Hey everyone, this is Kyle Land, Editor-in-Chief for The Daily Lobo, and welcome to a special edition of The Daily Lobo Podcast. I'm joined here by Danielle Prokop, Multimedia Editor hey guys. For, for The Daily Lobo, and today we're going to be tackling one of the most pressing issues facing our university right now, which of course is athletics and the cutting of four sports from the university by the Board of Regents. So these concerns of both the budget deficit and Title IX have been building for years. So this decision was met with a lot of backlash, and we saw some of that last week. But today, we're not talking so much about the Board of Regents meeting, but more about the decisions that led us to where athletics is in this position today, Mm -hmm. Um, and a little bit more about some of the other options I think people have been... How would you how would you frame that? So I think we're here to discuss in light of this decision, which has made many, many people very unhappy. People have proposed their own ideas of what they think athletics should do. We're here to discuss how viable are these options? Mm-hmm. How realistic are they, both within real world possibilities and within the interests of the university? I'm trying to get a bigger picture sense of what's going on here, because I mean, it's been a decision that's been months, if not years in the making and has far-reaching consequences for everybody at the university, no matter how involved with athletics you happen to be. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess to start off with today, just to cover the basics, is what sports are being cut and Mm. what's being added as well, I think, is something that's been overlooked in a lot of media coverage. Exactly. To start off with basics and soccer, men and women's skiing and beach volleyball are no longer being sponsored by the university. There's other programs that are affected by what's called roster management okay in a sense where they change the amount of people that are part of the program but the programs are not cut themselves a big program that's been part of this that's talked about quite a lot was diving mm-hmm. so we have a swimming and diving team that is a women's only sport at unm their diving portion consisted of five athletes the diving portion is being removed yeah and the, and the five divers many of whom have stated that they only dive and do not swim right are being integrated into the swim team. Okay. So the reason for swimming and diving cuts have been discussed in terms of facilities and coaching, mm-hmm. whether or not the facilities for swimming and diving were appropriate. And then also looking at the coaching salary, the swimming coach received a swimming and diving coaching salary. Receiving a separate salary for both positions. Yes. Okay. I think part of the savings that were factored into diving were about a platform that they say would have had them built mm-hmm. um, for the sport. The players and the coach all say that this was not necessary for their program. Yeah, so that was definitely a point of contention at the meeting last week. In subsequent reports, it's been unclear as to where the need for a diving platform was first raised. The athletics department deemed it a priority, whereas the coach and players had a different idea. While a lot of players brought up that was the biggest concern about diving is that not only does this affect, obviously, the divers involved, but it affects the swim team as a whole. I think there are many comparisons made by players that cutting diving out of swimming and diving is like removing the field from track or playing baseball without your outfield. Well, the reason is, even though these are all separate events, you know, the different lengths, the different kinds of strokes, they're all scored together in a total whenever you compete against other schools. They pointed out two other programs, if I'm not mistaken, I think one of them was Oregon State, where they don't have a diving program, but they're always finished last in their competitions because they lose points out from not diving. Basically, even though they don't have the diving program, they're scored as if they had one and they just get zero points. Okay. What the swimming team has argued is that not only does this hurt the athletes involved by the loss of a program, this makes it nearly impossible for the swim team to succeed in any meaningful way 
in the upcoming future because they are losing out on those points. So something that's been brought up a lot in terms of discussion on social media and questions by the public is definitely Title IX. Mm-hmm. The question is, how does cutting women's sports supposedly get UNM out of this Title IX debacle that they're in? Mm-hmm. Well, they did this in two ways, really. It just goes back to roster management, where they added a bunch of positions to women's sports that were less talked about because they weren't cut. But also, some of the sports that did get cut don't affect Title IX scholarships. And it's very confusing, actually. But basically, because the diving team, mm-hmm. which are all women, are getting integrated into the swimming team, essentially, those aren't being lost. Right. Just, it's still women athletes that UNM is continuing to sponsor. Just in a different capacity. And as far as I'm aware, most of the beach volleyball, I, I don't know the exact number, but most of the beach volleyball players also participate in indoor volleyball as well. Fewer scholarships are expected to be affected mm-hmm. by that. It won't be. It's not the complete team. Not all of them are being lost. But the main way the university is combating Title IX is by adding people to different sports. Um, they're also considering the eight women skiers that are being permanently lost to be a drop of water mm-hmm. in comparison to the sports positions that they are adding to track and field. Exactly. What's been touched on a little bit is that track is getting lots of cuts, but that's just in the men's department, actually. Okay. There are two different kinds of track that the NCAA recognizes, indoor track and outdoor track, both of which UNM sponsors. Is there a lot of crossover? Uh, not as far as I'm aware. The NCAA counts them as two different events. Mm-hmm. So before the cuts, there are about 40 indoor men players and then 40 outdoor men players as well. Mm-hmm. After the cuts, there will be about 20 in each, so 40 total men track participants. Mm-hmm. So they're about 50%. On the other hand, the women's team is getting a substantial increase in track participants, as well as their cross-country participants. But I think the point is that they're counted, so there's 40 participants in track and field, in track and field for men currently. That's going to go into the 20 each, so 40 total athletes. Mm-hmm. Women's will go from, I think it's about 30 each right now, mm-hmm. to about 55 each. So you'll have a total of 110 athletes. For women's track. For women's track in one year. In one year. In one year. So in one year, it'll go up to 110 athletes for both. The next year after that, it'll go up even further, which is quite substantial. And that's really where the bulk of the Title IX is coming from. To meet Title IX requirements. Yeah. Most other sports for women are getting a couple additions too, like softball's getting two additions, volleyball's getting one. Women's basketball is getting... Women's basketball is getting three, three, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So in that case, you know, there's a little handful here and there, but track and cross country are picking up the brunt of the Title IX compliance requirements, basically. The Title IX compliance, why that's so important to the university is that it's in charge of over $100 yeah. million of federal funding would be at stake. Mm-hmm. Basically, if we do not meet Title IX compliance, and this, was, this isn't for athletics, it's just for anything related to the university in which we're not providing the same resources to women proportional to the number of men at the university. Mm-hmm which is about 56% women at the university right now, then we are liable to get cited by the Office of Civil Rights, lose our federal funding, and lose our Pell Grants, which affects the vast majority of students at UNM. Absolutely, and our research. We would lose about $170 million in funding, essentially. And so that's kind of the idea that they're looking at is, you know, here are 63 athletes that are losing their sport, but this is so we're ensuring that tens of thousands of students can still go to our university. Basically, we could not function as a university if we lose that funding. So this is their way of tackling that. Related to, you know, making those sweeping cuts to reach, reach that proportionality of Title IX, right. a big thing has been football. 
We've heard this on Twitter. We've heard this at the Board of Regents. Regent Quillen even brought this up herself. You know, yeah. the elephant in the room. It's football. Why don't we cut football? Why, are, why is football, which seemingly has caused a lot of these issues that we're facing right now, not receiving the brunt of cuts? Yeah. Why are other sports taking that for them, essentially? When we're looking at UNM football, there's been disagreements on the numbers of scholarships that they're allowed. So we have 110 football players, but the number of scholarships is 85 or 87. We are playing in the Mountain West, which is an FBS conference. Mm -hmm, Because the rest of the members are also FBS schools. And so the difference between FBS and FCS, FBS, which means we get around 85, 87 scholarships per year on our football team. It also means that our conferences make more money off of TV deals. Right. And we get more sponsorship because they involve bigger programs. They get played on TV a lot more often. Football is the most expensive sport at UNM, coming in at $6.6 million for this year's budget. This is a cut budget. Uh, You're looking at $6.6 million, more than twice the next most expensive sport. The decision to keep football and to not inflict it with any serious cuts, which is actually getting three roster positions removed, will not affect scholarships at all, but it's getting three roster positions removed, is because of the Mountain West Conference. Right. So our our athletic conference at UNM is the Mountain West Conference. The Mountain West Conference includes teams like Boise State, Colorado State, San Diego State. It includes Hawaii, Utah State. There's a few other schools. Just basically schools in and around the Rocky Mountain area, mm-hmm. and then Hawaii, Fresno State too. So the university has stated that it is in their interest and in the university's interest as a whole to stay within the Mountain West Conference. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons being because of TV contracts. Okay. Mountain West makes about $14 million a year in TV deals. UNM makes about $1.1 million a year. Just from, from being just, in... Just from being in the conference and from getting our games broadcasted on, sometimes in ESPN and CBS Sports. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is Mountain West unique in this, in that they pool the resources that they no, have for their... not at all. Okay. Um, this is very common, especially in bigger conferences. This is very common, where the money that a conference makes will be pooled among the various members of the conference. We're not unique in that sense. We don't make as much money as them. But the problem is we make a lot more money than smaller conferences still. We're a very mid-tier conference in that sense. So the requirements to participate in the Mountain West Conference, the college has to sponsor football, basketball, baseball, and indoor volleyball. But a distinction that has also been brought up is it has to be FBS football. We're an FBS conference. So in the NCAA, there are three divisions, Division One, Two, II, and Three. In football, it's a little different because in Division One, it's separated into two subdivisions, actually. One being FBS, one being FCS. Essentially, as a way to separate the bigger programs from the smaller programs. And divisions have nothing to do with how good you are at your program. Yeah, divisions one, two, and three are mostly determined by your student size. How many students go to your school. So since we are a larger school with about 26,000 students, if you include graduate students, then yeah, we're a division one school. And that cannot change ever. Right. The FBS has what many college football fans know to be bowls. So like the Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl, the New Mexico Bowl. Essentially, that's how championships are decided in the FBS. Okay. FCS, Football Championship Subdivision, is different in that there's a 24-team playoff at the end of the season. And 24 teams, the 24 best teams get together and play a tournament, okay. essentially. It's like March Madness on a much smaller scale, and it's football. But the main difference for FCS teams is that the amount of scholarships they get. So FCS gets 63 scholarships as opposed to the 87 for FBS. The reason we're talking about this is because it's especially unrealistic to think that the university is going to cut the entire football team. 
in all honesty, just because in order to play in college conferences for sports, you often have required sports in order to be a member. So most of those include football. Even the FCS closest one to us is the Big Sky, and they even require that you need to have a football team. So if you want to be competitive with athletics, yeah, it's required for your university to sponsor a football team. Mm-hmm. Football makes the most money out of any out of any sport. Maybe basketball at some schools, but football. Well, why not just transfer to FCS? You'd be saving money on 22 scholarships. You'd still have a football program. It seems like a compromise. In an Albuquerque Journal poll, the number two sport beneath beach volleyball that should be cut by an overwhelming majority was football. So people are saying, you know, why don't we just cut the football program? It's $6.6 million. FCS seemed more like a bit of a compromise. And you're Mm. not completely cutting the program. You'd be able to participate in other sports. But the reason the university is saying it's not feasible is that they want to stay in Mountain West, which is an FBS conference. I feel like it's mostly because of the basketball team, because we are, our basketball team is far more competitive in the Mountain West than our football team is, and way more than a lot of our sports teams are, as a matter of fact. I thought we were pretty good in track and field, like we were pretty competitive in track we're, and field. We're decent in track and field, um, but oh, our, basketball team is, our basketball team is very competitive, and we're, um, we're definitely a name in the Mountain West, unlike football. We're not, our football team is not a name in our conference. Our basketball team is. Okay. Unsurprisingly so. If you want to look at a reason why we haven't left Mountain West yet, it mostly has to do with money. I couldn't find exactly how much money is made by TV deals in the big sky, but it is a lot less than the Mountain West for sure. Because Mountain West, in the Mountain West, our partnerships are with CBS Sports and ESPN. Pretty sizable networks. Mm -hmm. Um, Big Sky just had 11 sports. Or Pluto TV. Like online broadcasters, basically. From personally watching college football for many years, FCS... You might find a game on like a local TV station. You might find one on NBC Sports every now and then, but it's rare. And so the TV deals are just not the same. In FCS versus FBS. Exactly. It's even lesser when you go, when you go to smaller sports, like even like basketball or baseball. It's even less coverage than we would get now. And this is where men's soccer just had some real unfortunate luck in the end, essentially because they were one of the few sports at UAM that are not Mountain West because the Mountain West does not sponsor men's soccer. Only a handful of other Mountain West schools have a men's soccer program, and they all play out of conference. So we play in the Conference USA, which we do really well in, actually. We are a national name in men's soccer, which is pretty spectacular for where we are, the low population we have. We're a name in soccer. Conference USA, many of those schools are in the south, nowhere near New Mexico, really. It really takes a burden in, in terms of travel. Logistically, as unpopular of a decision as it was, it makes sense why they kept men's soccer. The Title IX report requested that they cut at least one sport with a large male roster. They listed baseball, football, and soccer. Soccer really had three strikes against it. It has a large male roster, it doesn't play in the Mountain West, and it costs a lot of money. So the male student athlete average was a 2.98 GPA, but men's soccer was a 3.1 this season. The deck was stacked against men's soccer going to the Board of Regents meeting. Despite everything about soccer being the model program you want it to be, which is successful, popular, and academically viable, just with the interest of the university, they did not align. With the interest of the sports programs. Yeah, they did not align with the athletic department's interest, you know, because the Mountain West doesn't sponsor it, costs a lot of money, and it gets you closer to to that Title IX compliance that you so desperately want. It was above average, you know, and compared to a big sport like basketball, which had a 2.24 GPA, that's 
I think this call kind of contributes into the the anger that went that went behind this decision from many people, especially concerning men's soccer, because ideally, you know, what more could you ask of a program? Very active in the community, as Very we active. saw on Thursday. Very active in the community, and despite all that, the university the, cut it. Despite that, the university cut it, and that's just that's just the way it is. So the two concerns that the university leveled when saying that they needed to cut those boards again and again, it's Title IX and finances. But how did we get to this point where finances are this dire? Mm-hmm. And I think there's a couple of factors that really go into it. Yeah. It had mostly to do with the previous athletic director. Uh, Paul Krebs. Paul Krebs, yeah. So the previous athletic director, Paul Krebs, has been in and out of the media, especially in the last two years. There were a lot of questions regarding financial decisions and transparency issues within the athletic department. Misuse of funds. Misuse of funds. That was a quote from State Auditor Tim Keller regarding how he thought the program was willfully misusing public funds. If you want to check out on the most recent findings, there was an audit done between the years of 2015 and 2017 that was released this May. It was the university doing an audit on its athletics program. I don't know. Those results were pretty damning. They were saying that the accounting infrastructure of athletics was virtually non-existent. They were saying that they were missing, mm-hmm. they were missing accounting for payroll. They were missing accounting for P cards, which are payment cards, which is how the university allows people to pay for things outside. So acquire tickets for trips or acquire supplies. The infrastructure for keeping track of money in athletics was woefully underdeveloped. Mm -hmm. I think you saw that in previous Board of Regents meeting when they would ask athletic director Eddie Nunez for previous year's budgets, and he would say, we don't have those numbers. Yes. For example, this is the first year that we've been able to see a sport-by-sport comparison of budgets. Um, That was something that was not available underneath Krebs. Those were some new numbers that we hadn't seen before of seeing that, yes, football's budget was not only $6.6 million, but twice the nearest competing sport. So people have thrown the number $1.9 million or quite a bit. Where does that come from? So back in March at the Budget Summit, there was a question of how big the deficit to the university by the athletics department was. And so after the budget summit and the public haranguing that athletics officials faced at that time, there was development at finance and facilities meetings, which are smaller board of regents meetings, and then a board of regents meeting in May where they developed a program to pay back the deficit of the university, balance the budget for the next two years, and look at reducing sports. So that number, $1.9 million, came from the May 12th Board of Regents meeting, stating that that was the number that they needed to pay back to the university paying the deficit. And with these cuts, how close are they to paying off those debts? So these cuts amount to $1.2 million, according to their report, $0.7 million short. Mm -hmm. And I think they they address this at the most recent Board of Regents meeting where they said, if we were to cut enough sports or to cut enough assets that from athletics to in order to meet the full deficit, it would put us under the required amount of sports to participate in Mountain West Conference. The current deficit to the university has been measured at about $4.7 million for Mm -hmm. 2018. That's the accumulated deficit for eight out of the past 10 years, the athletics department has been operating in a budget deficit. I mean, cutting sports has been on the table for at least over a year. Uh, Paul Krebs added beach volleyball in 2015 in order to head off a Title IX investigation. It's a means of delaying. When an athletics program unable to meet Title IX requirements in that moment, they are able to add a sport in order to delay further investigations. Yeah, essentially this was just this beach volleyball 
was created essentially as a band-aid to fix a much larger issue, and that was, you know, non-Title IX compliance in athletics. There was an attempt in, the, in spring of 2017 to cut skiing entirely, which, of course, was met with a similarly vicious backlash by the university, by a student, by students, because I think the idea of any sports getting cut is not popular. It was definitely an unpopular decision, but the method in cutting that sport was very different from this one um, in that it was a 24-hour decision. There was no public announcement before. It wasn't done at a Board of Regents meeting. You can definitely tell that this Board of Regents meeting was done uh, having learned the mistakes that Krebs made in his previous attempt to cut a sport. The community backlash from that actually reinstated the ski team a few weeks later. They were able to fundraise thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. on their behalf. They were able to lobby the community, and they were reinstated. I don't think this is going to be the case, though, for soccer. No, I think they're just... Because on one hand, I feel the university is behind this. Like, this decision has been made unilaterally. The Mm -hmm. Board of Regents were unanimous on this decision. This is coming from not only the athletic department, but the university itself. Exactly. I think... For once, the entire university was on the same page regarding a decision, and that was to cut these sports from the university because they saw dire need to be compliant with Title IX at the same time address the massive deficit that we've accumulated at the university. And this was kind of like the best way to meet both situations in their mind and still achieve the goals they want to achieve. For the University of New Mexico, this was achieving the goals of staying in the Mountain West, reducing the deficit, and addressing Title IX. Some of the scandals that happened in the last two years included overpayments to coaches, which Mm -hmm. contributed a significant amount of money to the deficit. There were some issues with a renegotiation of the Learfield Broadcasting Agreement, which is how we broadcast our games on television. Mm -hmm. It's a multimedia agreement to film our games. Fairly standard within college athletic programs. There were issues that the Learfield Agreement was unsigned and undated, and that there were underpayments that Learfield had a, a vocal agreement to underpay the University of New Mexico for certain years. According to the audit, it's not necessarily sure how those are going to be resolved. The University of New Mexico's legal team is currently in meetings with Learfield to renegotiate that contract, but it's unclear still what the resolution of that will be. In 2015, Paul Krebs, some of his family members, and a couple of boosters, some people who helped raise money for the athletics program, Oh, yeah, and it was Craig Neal, too. Took a trip to Scotland, and it was on public dime. Earlier in 2017, Krebs confirmed that the Scotland golf trip in 2015 cost UNM nearly $40,000. But it turns out, according to KRQB, ended up that the public shelled out nearly $65,000 for this golf trip. Directly after that, Paul Krebs retired from the university in June of 2017. I guess, you know, talking about all this negativity in the program leaves one wondering, we know how we got here, but where are we going as a university and as an athletic program? And I think the answer is no one's quite sure. According to the plan, within two years, we will have reached Title IX compliance Mm -hmm. for the university. In terms of savings for our debt, they have stated that they're not immediate. So the university says that the benefits of this cost-cutting... The immediate benefits will come from travel, will come from equipment maintenance, that kind of stuff. Once all the players that were affected by the decision graduate, that's done with the scholarships. Mm-hmm. Once the coaches' contracts run out, we stop paying the coaches, and that's when the real savings 
begin, in a sense, for the university. That's where the university says the real savings will begin. Mm -hmm. Essentially. The other aspect is that there is a 10-year debt repayment plan. Mm -hmm. The athletics department says that it has its budget balanced for the Mm -hmm. next two years based on what they say, quote, very conservative predictions, end quote, of what our revenues will be. So I guess in a sense, it's hard to not be a little optimistic about the future for athletics because they are taking what seems to be the necessary steps. While you can question the decisions that went to make these cuts, there's no doubt that for what the athletics program wants to do, this is meeting those goals, at least what they say it's going to do. You know, in spite of the unpopularity of this decision, which was pretty, pretty unpopular, I'll say that, to put it mildly, this appears, according to their statements, to do that. That that has to be reconciled with at the end of the day. And that's, yeah. So while it's easy enough to say, just cut football, not easy, not easy enough to, not easy enough to say that. At the end of the day, it makes sense why the university did that. And I think Marin Lee, during vice president of the Board of Regents, was saying during the meeting that she knows it's unpopular. She doesn't want people to like their decision, but she wants them to understand it, how things were handled. On that note, I think we've said all there is to be said on this mess of a week for UNM. Yeah. And, you know... At the end of the day, you know, I'm an optimistic person. You wrote you wrote a whole column about it. Yeah, I wrote a column about check it out on dailyloba.com. <laughs> um, it's called Why I Still Believe in UNM, and it talks about how you know there is stuff that we can do at, at our university to make our university a better place, and help us serve the do the most amount of good for the most amount of students, barely punished students, and even if that's true, the power is not out of our hands. There's so much you could do as students, as faculty members, and as community members in general to make this university a better place. What's great about UNM is that it's not just about the students. This university represents an entire community, the entire city of Albuquerque, I'd like to think. And I think that's really unique. And I think that allows people to play a bigger hand than they would at another university. So... Well, you could go ahead and check out that and other reporting on DailyLobo.com. We'd like to thank KUNM Studios for letting us borrow their equipment for this podcast. We graciously thank Elaine. A very special thank you to Elaine Baumgartle for not only giving us a crash course on this equipment, but also wanting to teach an, an audio reporting class this fall at UNM. We need more students to sign up for it. Danny and I are taking that class, and we would love to see you there. Thank you to Kyle for sitting down and talking to me about this all weekend. I really appreciate your insight into sports. If you want to check out some more of the content that we wrote on the Board of Regents meeting, you can check out dailylobo.com. There are stories by Austin Tyra, Madison Sparato, Robert Mailer, and Cameron Goldner. And thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.